Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Welcome on to the Talking Stocks podcast. We have a very special guest here today, Medi Medici, or as he's known as Medi Medi. How are we doing, Medi? Well, what's going on? It's your boy Medi Medi on the line. What's going on with you? How you doing today? Doing good. Uh, another sunny day here in uh, Metro Detroit. <laughs> Enjoying the summertime. Uh, where are you from? Yeah, it's coming along from Charlotte, North Carolina. Done quite a bit of traveling all over the country, but home based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Ah, uh, the summer weather's got to be treating you nice there. Lots of beaches, the ocean. Yep, that's right. Charlotte, North Carolina, you get to the beach in two hours. You can get to the mountains about an hour and a half. It still goes uh, skiing, in the, uh, skiing in the wintertime. So. Ah, it's cool. There's a lot of history there, too, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, the Appalachian Mountain and, uh, of course, first in flight, the... Uh, the uh, the flight the Wright brothers that's out of North Carolina as well. Of course, you know North Carolina. Um, Michael Jordan played his college basketball at North Carolina, the uh, college, and you know Duke University, North Carolina's rival, is just five minutes down the road from North Carolina uh, University. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, so I know you're in the audio media business. You want to talk about that a little bit? I understand you do radio commercials, mansion parties. Got to be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, um, for the most part, came into the game uh, doing some voiceovers, some radio commercials, done some radio commercials all over the country, some corporate accounts and also some individual accounts. And, uh, you know, eventually started doing some DJing. That's what really put me on tour on the road was doing some DJing. So uh, DJed a lot of major clubs, did a lot of touring with some major artists. But now at this point in the game, you know, the main focus is pretty much investing with the stocks and, Occasionally, I'll make DJ like a mansion party here in the city or whatnot, something like that. Well, that's pretty cool. Before we get on to the stocks, like, where are some of the coolest places you've been DJing? I've never been to a place I didn't like. Um, the first thing, anytime somebody asks me that question, the first thing that comes to mind is Mississippi because, like, nobody expects me to say Mississippi, but like, I DJ some incredible parties in Mississippi. Like, you know, I've DJed, I've DJed in some places where you get there and you like, oh my gosh, this is a trailer. You know what I'm saying? And then you get on the inside and like people really party and they got they run in the kitchen, they sell a liquor and you and you DJ in a trailer. There's 300, 400 people in the trailer and they're bouncing and you can feel the floor about to cave in and you about to fall through the mud. It's just an incredible feeling. <laughs> that's crazy too, playing the music. I mean, getting all the vibes going, that's got to be an awesome experience. Yeah, I, I mean, never been to a place that I didn't like, man. Like, But yeah, those back roads, those country roads in Mississippi, I've been to a lot of uh, towns in Mississippi where they got laws which you can bring your liquor inside the party with you. Just crazy. <laughs> it got, it got to be wild. Well, I kind of want to hit on this. Uh, the big experience you were telling me on before we uh, got on the podcast here was with the baby. He, he's pretty big. You want to tell me about that? Well, yeah. I mean, as a DJ, one of the things that I've done, I've helped a lot of artists uh, get their music played and going, you know, with um, in nightclubs and with radio stations like early in their career. So, I mean, even before the baby, I'm really good friends with Ray Schremer. Like, um, and you can find you can find that interview on YouTube as well. I did like the first Ray Schremer interview ever. <laughs> they talk about some of the parties that we did before I actually got into some trouble with Mississippi. I actually had a run in with some Mississippi police. Oh boy. Really yeah, so so even with the baby, like you, you can find the interview on YouTube. Like I was probably the first DJ to ever play a song on the radio and start playing a song in the nightclubs. Actually, when he was still going by the um, the rap name Baby Jesus before the record label made him switch to just the baby. Oh, well, that is kind of cool. I didn't know he was Baby Jesus before. That's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, you come on and uh, you meet all these famous people on the road, um, all the DJing. I'm sure you know lots of people that have built up wealth over the years. And it just it seems like especially like the NFL, when wealth comes on fast, they, people find a way to lose it because they don't know how to manage money. They've never had that in the past. And it just they feel like they got a lot and it goes out the door just as fast as they got it. Yeah, I mean, that's just like the stock market. It's just like, you know, watching the stock ticker. You know, the ones that shoot up fast, you got to watch them closely because of the volatility. They'll shoot back down fast. And the ones that grow slow, they come, typically come down slow as well, you know. Yeah, I, a lot of it's all about managing risk and reward. Uh, when you're talking about the stock market, you can see these stocks that make a play and they move 100% a day. Those are the same stocks that are going to move down 70% a day. So it's all managing risk, reward. And I think before you even get into the market, you need to determine what kind of investor are you going to be? Like, are you looking for those short term, the big jumps, the high risk, high reward? Or are you investing for the long term, something safer, something smaller, but something better than letting your money just sit in your bank account? Absolutely. So that's kind of interesting. But I mean, back to like people just building up wealth, like you talked about NFL players, lottery winners. People going bankrupt, like after getting millions and millions of dollars. Um, I don't know, even like uh, just people building up wealth over time. I think it's important to talk to advisors and figure out the right strategy for you. Yeah, I've been on, you know, as a guest on different types of um, entertainment segments, just talking about like just what you're talking about, managing wealth and also building credit. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of easy, simple things people can do to build and maintain credit that a lot of people don't know. And I mean, you can build credit real fast. When I, when I first went on the road as a DJ, I didn't know anything about credit. Somebody actually came to me and said, you know, um, do you know anything about your credit and how you can manage and maintain your credit? And I didn't know. And they, they, they actually charged me to teach me some things, but the things that they taught me in that one hour, I mean, back then at that point, my credit score jumped 300 points, man, over like the next two years. Like, that's a true story. I mean, you can see that on my Instagram page as well. Like, I posted when my credit score, like, got to 820. I posted it on Instagram because I couldn't believe I had got my score that high at that time, you know. It's incredible, too, because, I mean, some of these people, they have such an advantage starting off or when, like, you're 18 and you don't know how to establish a credit and, like, you need people to come in and show you how it's done. And this stuff affects your house, your car, how much you're going to pay for everything. And in turn, that affects how much money you can put into the stock market or how much you want to gamble or if you want to boat or like it affects everything. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like uh, one of the things, you know, I just went back and finished my finance degree when I had some time down during the pandemic. And one of my professors, you know, he talked about one of the, the most important things for people like coming fresh out of high school to get to success quickly is getting hooked up to a good mentorship. So like if you can find a good mentorship quick, you can get on a fast pace really fast, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I'm trying to offer my services over at uh, CJ Investing. We bring people in, uh, invite them to the private Discord, and they get all kinds of their questions answered. I have a financial advisor on the staff. So, I mean, I try and create that really good environment. Yeah, man. You know, I, I definitely follow the other uh, page. Stones, you got to give some pretty good insight on some, you know, some, some, some stock tips I might want to play. <laughs> uh, of course. So... As far as like building wealth, I kind of want to jump into the real estate market a little bit because it's been on fire. But a lot of the ways you can build wealth is through like even getting rental properties and renting those places out or Airbnb them out. Uh, do you have any rental properties? Yeah, actually, I got a rental property down in Columbia, South Carolina. We, we just took on that too long ago. 
Uh, that's interesting. How has that uh, experience been? I mean, have you thought about selling? The rates are so high. I know in, in Michigan, it's bumping. How is it in South Carolina, the real estate? Yeah, well, it's actually nationwide. Um, I spoke to my realtor last week um, about a property that I currently have here in Charlotte, and he was just like, you know, now is the time to sell. I got a friend that just sold a property you know, probably, you know, 50 to 75% over what the natural market rate was because, you know, the rates are so, things are so good right now, especially with, you know, the lumber price, well, especially, you know, about four weeks ago when the lumber price was so high, with, with the uh, lumber commodity so high, you know, as you can track through the stock market as well, um, the, the price of used houses was being able to sell just as good as the price of brand new houses. Because you know, if the price of lumber, if the price of building houses goes up, that makes the the price of selling houses going up, and so then the used market goes up as well. We're actually seeing that when they when the index came out today, the consumer index came out today, they were showing how one of the highest inflation rates was on used cars for the same reason, because they can't build yeah. cars right now because of the computer chip shortage. And so the price of new cars is going to stay up because they can build new cars and it made the price of used cars go with one of the highest inflation rates in the country right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting to watch and you know, what comes up, it must come down. I know we had a crash about a year ago, year and three months from uh, COVID the fallout, but that really didn't seem to affect real estate a ton. I just wonder when we're going to hit this peak with real estate and the bottom's going to fall out because that's going to be the time to buy and start moving. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be probably one more year before we really see the real, what I call the real recession, recession. I didn't really count the pandemic as a recession because to me it was a induced recession. It was a forced recession. It wasn't quite like some of the recessions that you study in, in their history books for like 07 or like 98. You know what I'm saying? When the housing crash happened or when the dot com. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so this one is kind of like was an artificial recession and i keep telling people the real recession hasn't come yet the government like they say all the money printing all the free money at the all the free money the government gave out it really stopped the real recession from happening so the real recession still has to happen so just be on the lookout for that yeah it's coming i mean and you look in the stock market you had that major fallout in march but things bounce back in historic ways people were talking about the u-shaped recovery and we definitely fully recovered in a v it was straight back up to all-time highs um, the stock market really didn't miss a beat moving back. Yeah, I mean, the government's giving out all this free money, thinking that people needed money to survive, and the only thing that people were doing was taking the money and learning how to invest it. I mean, it actually, it changed things. So now you've got retail investors, and you got the meme stocks, like the GameStop and the AMC, and, you know, you got uh, Reddit and the Wall Street Bets crowd. People coming together and doing things with free government, free money that was issued from the government that they'd never been able to do before. I mean, you were able to sit at home with free money, get on the internet, research how to invest in stocks. So now you've got a whole new crowd of retail investors that was never here before. Yeah, I mean, platforms like Robinhood too made it so much easier for these new retail investors to come in because before, and you look and you want to make a trade, and it's seven dollars to make a trade, or it's ten dollars to buy thirty shares, or However abusive those like the commission or the price costs were, I mean, when things are free and easy flowing, it's it's hard to complain not not to like uh, take advantage. Yeah, I absolutely hate Robinhood. I don't, I don't use Robinhood, but I do think that you know it's it's a great platform to get people started. 
you know, just like you can buy stock from Cash App, you can buy partial stock from Cash App. So I think these are good platforms for people just to get in the game. But once you start doing your research and what's the difference between the brokers, you know, then you got to move to a more mature, more professional broker. Yeah, something I recommend to uh, the people, at least in my private Discord, is Webull. I think that's like a step up from Robinhood, but it's still easy for like users to maneuver. And then another step up is like TD Ameritrade, which I thought was nice and useful. Yeah, I like Webull. I like Webull because they got the 4 a.m. element. And that most people like TD Ameritrade because of uh, all the charting that you can do on the screen on, on the different platforms, laptop, uh, telephone, and tablet as well. Well, while we have Robinhood on the topic, I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm not sure, it was like three or six months ago when meme stocks really took over and they started limiting how much GameStop you could buy or how much AMC you could buy. And that seems ridiculous and it seems against what their message was initially because they wanted people to just openly trade and they wanted people to openly learn how to use their platforms. And then they say, oh, it's hurting our buddies over at the hedge fund. We can't, we can't let you buy this anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, to in most cases you would think that that was illegal, but that was a that was a good example of how, you know, with something that's federally federally regulated, that they still can look out for themselves and hurt the small guy, and there's not really much that we can do about it. You would definitely think that would have been a national lawsuit or international lawsuit, but um, I know maybe we're still here to see what's going to happen in the long term with that situation. That was crazy. I mean, you know, when you do research on it, you do learn that. You know their their liquidity was going to be in question because when you got people that was getting rich that fast off of these situations because of a short squeeze. You know it it really could have folded the company if they didn't have enough uh, liquidity to pay out those kind of monies because people were making those bets with margin. And with that being said, like even now, if you try to uh, you know when you buy meme stocks, they have the margin requirements are a lot higher. Like you know I can buy a stable stock like Home Depot. And I can get much more margin. I can buy much more stock with the broker's money than what I can buy if I'm buying AMC or GameStop. They don't allow me to buy as much of the stock. I can't use the broker's money. I can't use margin because of the same reasons. They're just scared that if it booms because of the volatility, they're not going to have the liquidity to pay everybody out. You know, all these uh, investors, they got to be, especially the new ones when they're setting up their accounts, they got to be careful with margin. I mean, you can find yourself in a lot of debt really, really fast. I don't know if you recall, but a few months ago, or maybe this was April, maybe this was over a year ago, uh, a younger kid, I think he was in his teens, maybe college, gets into Robinhood, and he finds himself minus a half million dollars in debt, and he ended up taking his life. But, like, it just it seems crazy how that can happen so fast and how much debt you can rack up. Yeah, I heard that story, and, you know, it's crazy because um, during the pandemic, when I took some downtime from – DJing because the nightclubs were closed. You know, I I just wanted to get out and just wanted to do something. So I was actually like driving Uber and I picked up this rich millionaire dude from in this like six million dollar house and he gave me some good quotes, man. He told me he said one thing about America. He was like, you know, you never give up. He said you just you know throw stuff on the wall until it sticks. He said because even if you go into debt, they're not gonna lock you up and put you in prison for debt because they want you to stay out just so you can pay it back for number one. And number two, even if you lose a ton of money, you can always go get a job at the post office the next day and still pay your bills. And, like, you know, a lot of people just don't understand that simplicity. Like, it's never worth taking your life because, like, they're not going to kill you or they're not going to imprison you because you owe some people the money. They want you to stay out just so you can pay it back. 
Absolutely, too, because America seems to be this place of, like, you can come here and, like, make stuff happen. I mean, Elon Musk comes from South Africa, and next thing you know, he's the fourth richest guy in the world. So, I mean, it's the land of opportunity. They want you to take chances, and I guess that's what bankruptcy gives you. It gives you the chance to restart and get a second chance. Yep. Uh, moving on here. How do you find stocks you like? And like, do you focus more on the fundamentals or the technicals? Like, are you looking at charts or are you looking more at um, just like a fundamental aspect? Well, my background in my heart, I'm a data analyst. Um, my, when I was first studying my associate's degree before I went on the road as a DJ, I used to intern at IBM. I used to be a data analyst. So in my heart, I'm a data analyst. So I could do some things with formulas, algorithms, and spreadsheets that some people may not be able to do and, some, you know, be able to see patterns in the data and the numbers that some people may not be able to see. But with that being said, I'm not really a fundamental trader. I'm 100% in the technicals. Um, I wake up in the morning, I turn in CNBC. You know, I wake up in the morning, I check Reddit, and, and I'm looking for momentum. You know, even, even if I am going to trade a traditional stock like a Home Depot, you know, I'm still going to look for the momentum for Home Depot before I make that trade. Yeah, for sure. I tend to trade on the technical side as well. Um, over the last year, I've gotten, you talked about the downtime with the pandemic. I've really gotten into like, you look at cup and handle charts, you look at the triple bottoms, but you can find these charts and then apply them to stocks. And a lot of the times they hold true. And the longer period that these um, these shapes or forms, like the longer a triple bottom is formed, like I saw on Huya the other day, it's a triple bottom over five years. Like that's a likely scenario that's going to play out. So it's it's finding those for me, the technical plays and and playing off of them. Yeah, you know, and then a lot of times people get into trading and when they start doing charting and they look at like a one minute chart and they don't understand, like if you just take the time to look at a one year chart or a two year chart, you can understand that, you know, sometimes like what they say on social media, like on Reddit, you got to hold on, you got you to gotta hold on for dear life. And if you let it play out, if you're betting on the right stock, it may not happen overnight. It may not even happen in two or three days. But if you hold, like they say, stonks always go up. Always go up. But I feel like as a newer trader, the biggest thing you can do is like set up a game plan. Like when you enter a stack, like don't enter blindly. And then uh, it goes down, we sell. It goes up, we're excited and we want to see it ride. But like if you set where you want to sell, where your stop loss is in the beginning, it helps you take that emotion out of it. Because when you're an emotional trader is not a good trader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to rely heavily on the stop loss. Now I'm to the point where, you know, emotionally I can actually do run the mental stop loss. And of course, you know, when you're on extended hours, you can't use stop loss anyway because you can't use no automation. But um, but I never like now, for the most part, I never bet on a stock on a company that I don't really believe in. Like a lot of the major traders, they'll tell you, I mean, you got to know something about the company that you're trading before you trade it anyway. Uh, that's true. It's important. Like I mostly rely on the technicals, but I think it's a good thing to look and see what lawsuits they have. See what's going on. Are people flocking to their business? Have you used their product? I mean, just some basic stuff to see if it is a decent company worth your while. Yeah. I mean, that's how I came across stocks like Home Depot. That's, you know, when I'm doing a renovation on a home, I definitely go to Home Depot to buy products or like Kramer says, it's not even just about the lumber for the renovations, but if you're going to do some gardening, gardening was a big thing during the pandemic. People starting to grow their own food and plants, stuff like that. You're going to pick that up from Home Depot as well. So that's how I found Home Depot, you know? It's interesting too, because like you think about like the pandemic happens and if you can guess what people are going to flock to, you got to, if you stay a step ahead of people, that's where the money's made. Yeah. 
you know, and uh, like I said, if you look at a one-year chart or a two-year chart and you learn how to use the different indicators, MACD, RSI, you know, things like that, those nature, you can kind of sort of see where the dips are and you can buy on the dip and you can set you an alert for, um, you know, when your indicator gets hot, when the stock is running too high and then you can, and you can sell at the top. I gotcha. Well, moving in, I kind of wanted to discuss electric vehicles, Elon Musk, the whole Tesla Bitcoin thing. I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that overall. All right. Well, with uh, Tesla, Tesla was one of the first stocks that I actually started playing when I started trading. And, and because I was playing Tesla stock, I also played Neo. Neo was a stock that one of my early on stocks. And, um, you know, Neo, one year today, was probably going for about six dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Over about nine months times, a six dollar stock turned into a sixty dollar stock. So if you just hold them, man, if you hold, if you held on for dear life, you're talking about a one thousand percent return on a neo stock. Not you know a year ago with a six if it was a six month hold. Uh, one thing that I like about Tesla and Elon Musk, I you know I don't look at Tesla as a car company. I don't look at it just as an EV car company. I got you. Got to look at Tesla for the battery as well. You got to look at Tesla for autonomous vehicles, vehicles that drive themselves, and then you got to look at. The, uh, the the jump that they had on the game ahead of everybody else. And if you know anything about Elon Musk and a Tesla story, you know Teslas were banned in a lot of states just a few years ago for a long period of time, and they couldn't get federal regulation for electric cars because the good old boys, you know, they already had their friends at the big companies like GM and uh, Ford, and they weren't just going to let electric cars come into the market easily. I mean, they had... Uh, you know, they had unions and everything that were against even selling Teslas to certain states. If you were in Texas, you had to go to Oklahoma to buy a Tesla. Uh, to buy a Tesla. Yeah, that, that's that's the case right here in Michigan because we have that big three. We have the former, the established, and they don't want to let the electric vehicle industry come right in and take what they they've created here. But I really think like companies like the big three. You talk about Ford, GM, Chrysler. I think they are going to start to adapt. I mean, GM's been the biggest player, but. Eventually, we are going to get to the point where it is an electric vehicle world, and I don't think there's any stopping at this point. There's no stopping the electric vehicle world. The big three is definitely going to adapt, but the government, you know, because of the relationship that the government has with the big three and because of the investment that a lot of the government uh, invested mutual funds have into the big three, they had to buy the big three some time, and that's really what they did. They were just trying to buy them some time to catch up. And if you've ever studied uh, economics, economics will tell you no matter how big the uh, the gap is, the profit gap is over time, the profit gap is going to come to a, a natural profit margin like 12 percent, 6 percent. So, you know, there was a time when you could have got a thousand percent, maybe even more percent return on a Tesla stock investment. But over time, you know, it's got to come down to that six to 12 percent line, just like TM or or the other big threes. Yep. So, I mean, we talk about how the big three have adapted and then we have Tesla over here taking the industry by storm. What do you think about like the Neos, the Lucid Motors? Do you think they're going to be able to catch up to those Tesla profit margins? I mean, I look at Lucid like a um, like a luxurious brand, like a Cadillac sort of thing compared to the Tesla. Is that how you see it as well? No, nah, I, I still just see, I see Tesla and I see Neo. Uh, economies of scale. I see Tesla being a forefront leader in the Western world, the English-speaking world, and I see uh, Neo being the forefront leader in the biggest uh, country, continent, you know, out the, out east, which that being China. Uh, the rest of the brands, I just, I, 
there's just too much to try to recover. Just like what we just saw with Lordstown Motor this past week with the CEO and the CFO stepping down, you know, um, or just like, you know, people still waiting to see workhorse put like, again, like they say on CNBC, this is so true. Why would you buy an electric truck from Lordstown Motor or workhorse when you know Tesla and Ford are already making electric trucks? Tesla's already proved that their product works. And then they start making trucks too. So why would you go to the new brand when you could just buy it from the brand that's already proved that they know what they're doing? That's true. I mean, coming in and establishing yourself is definitely a big advantage. Uh, getting back to Elon Musk, though, uh, he seems to be shaking up the Bitcoin market. Two months ago, he goes, Tesla, we're going to start taking Bitcoin as a payment. And last week, he comes out and goes, the, the mining that goes into it isn't environmentally friendly. We're going to stay away from Bitcoin. I mean, and you're seeing Bitcoin move tens of thousands of dollars back and forth. And overall, the crypto market, just based on what Musk says. Yeah, um, absolutely. One thing about Bitcoin, because of one of the things that attracted people to it originally is because it wasn't federally regulated by any government institution. Elon Musk, he can talk about it and he can tweet about it and, he can, and it can't be considered as pumping and dumping because it's not a federally regulated. That's true. <laughs> he is. He's the man. He's just messing with it all. Like his, uh, the father of Dogecoin. Yeah, yeah, Elon Musk, Musk the father, of Do the Doge father. <laughs> well, I, I actually bought in. I had 100,000 shares at 0 .004, and it got up to a penny. I was like, I got to dump this. And, man, we I would not be having this conversation if I would have been holding. <laughs> Listen, I'm not mad at you. I think you did the, the right thing, man. Uh, send me some of that money when you get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's that, that planning that kind of bites you in the ass a little bit. Because you're riding a motion, maybe you ride it up to seventy cents or whatever the hell it got up to. It's yeah. I it, mean, again, I mean, you know, like, and that's one of the, again, that's one of the negative things about TD Ameritrade. They're slow to the crypto uh, currency market, but you know, you find you whatever you know, crypto that uh, whatever uh, platform you're using to buy your crypto, see if you can chart it and see if maybe you can look at a. I mean, those hasn't probably been around, but maybe a year. See if you can look at a one year or two year chart. So you can predict the um the dips and the highs on it and say, okay, all right, you took your profit one time, you made you some money, well maybe you get back in at a smaller quantity the next time or you love uh, or you scale in, you average in over time. You know, that's why I tell new investors I got I got a friend, a young guy just graduated uh, high school, he don't know anything about investing, but he hears about those crypto and I say, Hey man, just take twenty dollars out of your paycheck every week and just put it in the crypto and just see what it does over a year. Yeah, I mean that's with anything. You put money in, you slowly build up wealth. I mean, the get rich fast scheme isn't going to work. It's slowly building your wealth over time. Yeah. Uh, as far as Bitcoin goes, uh, how do you look at like the 10 year projections? Do you think we're going to see a million dollar crypto? You think we're going to see a hundred K crypto? I mean, how, how fast is this going to move? But again, and, you know, and with my finance degree that I just graduated with, and this is one of the things that they teach you in uh, economics, uh, reapplies to the crypto market as well. When you first get into uh, Bitcoin and then you see the next one, whether it be uh, Dogecoin or whether it be uh, Ether, when you first get in, you can get high profit margins. You can get a you know, thousand percent return, 10,000 percent return, you know, something astronomical, crazy. But then as you get new players coming to the field, you start to see an average return of six to 12 percent, you know. So that's why that's what I really think about. Again, I think. You know, the government, well, I can't really say the government, but the government is trying to buy time so they can get their mutual funds invested in these type of 
uh, things as well. And I just think over time, you can only expect that six to twelve percent return because you got so much cannibalism happening with the new cryptocurrencies coming into the market. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to come in and you'll you get a high return off of it. But you're going to start just seeing the average return of six to twelve percent. And then something new is going to come into the market. We don't even know if that's something. Well, maybe the new thing is um, the NFTs, you know, so something new is going to come into the market. Where you're going to look to get a high return from it, but then over time it's going to come down to that six to twelve percent. Well, it's something else I just want to bring up real quick is uh, just crypto being open on the weekend. A lot of these new traders, they're they're not happy. They're done trading Monday to Friday. You know what I mean? So a lot of them turn to crypto and knock it out on Saturday and Sunday, and they can keep charting and keep doing their probably their hobby on the side. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and one of the thing about crypto, it's it's kind of it's it's nerd friendly. You know, it's it's computer friendly. It's one of the people that like to watch the phone or watch the computer screen or whatsoever. And so for those those nerds that have no lives, that don't party on the weekend, don't got no whatever, you know, yeah, they can sit and watch that crypto all weekend and make some money, get them something to do. Well, Madi, it's been fun. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you can find uh, Madi's Instagram at djmed103. Of course, you can find me, CJ, at CJ underscore investing on Instagram. Uh, that private Discord we were talking about, there's a three-day free trial. Uh, if you want to get on, check it out. Uh, great tips. Learn how to invest. Learn how to build that wealth we've been talking about. And we'll be back with this podcast next week. So make sure you follow along on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and I'll try and get this up on YouTube as well. But thanks for coming on, Madi. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, CJ, man. I appreciate you sending out them tickets, but I'm going to keep making money off you, boys. Appreciate it. All righty. See ya. Thanks, everybody.